and thank you for tuning in to the Akuzal Table. I'm one of your hosts, Taylor Jackson. And the one and only Bradley Eway. And today we have some guests at the table. So let's hear from who's joined us today. We have a guest host. His name is Marcellus Stansberry. So go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. What's going on, guys? My name is Marcellus Stansberry. As you guys have just heard, I'm a fourth year dental student at Meharry Medical College. Uh, I'm Taylor and Bradley's classmate. I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me. All right. And thank you for joining us today as a guest host, Cello. And today, (laughs) right. And today we have the pleasure of having a new dentist panel where we're discussing the various paths that they took after graduating from dental school. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Alexis Ferguson, and I was born and raised in Nassau, Bahamas. And after completing my bachelor's degree at Oakwood University in 2014, then I took two years off to become a teacher and save and study for the exam for dental school. And then I came back here to Mahari in 2016 and graduated May 2020. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dr. Kelly, for that. So, hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Osei. I'm a recent Meharry grad, 2021, and I decided to open a business in Comfort Dental Midtown in Kansas City, Missouri. I genuinely embrace this new journey that I'm on, and I'm excited to just kind of see where it's gonna take me. And I'm from New Jersey, by the way. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Raina Turner. I'm originally from Elon, North Carolina, and I'm a recent Meharry grad as well, 2021. As of now, I'm currently practicing about 20 minutes north of Nashville as an associate in a DSO practice. So happy to be here, happy to drop some gems for those who are listening in. Hi guys, my name is Dr. Jordan Pierre. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. For undergrad, I went to Xavier University of Louisiana. And in 2016, I began my journey as a dentist at Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. And currently, I am practicing as a general dentist in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is also about 20 minutes north of Nashville. All right. So let's give it up for our panel. Let's go. (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and jump into some questions. So what led you to go straight into the workforce versus doing a residency program? Do you think that there's an advantage of going um, straight into work or uh, growing clinically? How do you think that you have managed that as a new dentist? I'll go. I'll go. Um, I definitely think that there's advantages to continuing your education. So getting going to residency and furthering your skills. I also think that there is um, advantages to just getting out there and just getting to work. You kind of have to figure out what's best for you. And I think what's best for you is different person to person. So for me, um, in my second year of dental school, is that's the year that you kind of learn to start cutting 
crown preps and different little things like that. And that's really when you get, that's when you get most active with your hands. And um, I was so confident from my second year that I was like, man, I think I can do this and I can kind of learn on the fly. And then as I, as I transitioned rather to being a clinical student, even the experiences that I had with my patients, you know, when it would be these situations where, you know, you go to the professor and be like, okay, cool. That's exactly right. Student doctor. That's how you would do it in the textbook. But this scenario is a little different. So you're going to do this, this, and this, you know, it wasn't as abstract in my mind as it may be in others. I was able to like catch on like, oh, okay. So we're going to skip this step. We're going to skip C and hop straight to step, step G, but we ultimately going to always end up at step Z. Like, okay, bet. We just skipping some little small things. And, you know, I was just so confident in it. And I think that was the main thing for me, like just the confidence. And I would tell anybody, if you're confident in your skills, and if you're confident in being and still being a student, like because even though we went straight to work, we are still students. Like we are still learning every day. There's so much that we don't know. So if you are confident in the abilities that you currently have, but even more so if you are confident in being humble and learning on the fly, I would say going to work is a good idea for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm with JP on this one. I feel like I had some type of confidence in dental school and that's like so important because I was a dental assistant for a couple of years. So if you're confident and you know, and you understand that you are still a student, you are still learning, you're still willing to be coachable, I think you'd be ready to go to work. But there's also benefits in going, you know, further in your education, absolutely. It's very circumstantial and person to person, but you know, for some people, that's, that's what it is to just go straight into work. So it's funny that both of you guys are like, you were super confident because my confidence came later on, like fourth year, but I still decided I wanted to go to work and it wasn't always my first thought. I actually thought I wanted to do a pediatric residency program, but I wrote a, an essay for a scholarship, fourth year of dental school, and I can't remember the exact wording of one of the questions, but basically, what are you looking forward to in your next few years of school or something along those lines? And how I answered it was, I really wanted to learn what I wanted to learn and figure out what... I enjoy doing, you know, you're in school so many years listening to what other people are telling you is, you know, what you need to learn, which there is the basic structures. But at this point in my life, for me, I really wanted to challenge myself by figuring out what I wanted to learn and, you know, not necessarily having someone guiding me. I wanted to just kind of be able to guide myself and just take whatever it came at me. And I felt like going to work would give me the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, girl, that's confidence. No cat. <laughs> it definitely came, but I mean, I can understand why people are really nervous about going to work right after school as well, because it is 
nerve wracking. But at the end of the day, you're going to make mistakes whether you go to work or residency. So that's just something you kind of have to get over. No, people wait. Okay. I agree with everything everybody else is saying. I don't have anything else to add. It's just you, you know who you are as a person. If you feel like you're not confident enough to go out there and make decisions. And like Raina said, whether you go to residency or whether you go straight to work, you're still going to make mistakes either which way. Each patient is different. Each procedure is different. You may know the book knowledge or the or how the ideal prep is supposed to look, but sometimes things go left and you have to figure out a way of how to get back to helping the patient at the end of the day. So either which way you can ask around to me, asking people how their experience was like this podcast was, is a big help for others who are trying to decipher between doing residency or going straight to work. And I was going to say, like Dr. Kelly just said, like, things go left. I, I would be honest with you. When you first get out, 60 to 75% of everything is going to go left. Like, and that is just facts. Like, because you're dealing with things that, like, you've never dealt with, with before. Like, you got to think about it. When you're in dental school and you go to do any procedure, they give you a basket full of tools. Like, you got every instrument that you can think of you know when you go to practice like depending on where you go they might give you three birds and it'd be like cut you know what i'm saying or they might give you like five seven instruments and be like extract Mm -hmm. figure that thing out that's what they say figure it out (laughs) that's real but i will say is you can use more outside you know yeah extractions they gave me three instruments, but all them instruments cut bone. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, I was like, outside with that. <laughs> yeah, but like you got like it, it, but it ultimately always goes back to like, you know, confidence, you know, because I'm not gonna lie, I remember the first time I got hit with something like that. It was actually on a mission trip. And I was like, mm-hmm. like we ain't got no 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 elevator. Like <laughs> we just we we just stuck <laughs> it. And like Professor really looked at me and was like, get it out. Like, I'm like, all right, I, I guess it can be done, but you know, we gonna we're gonna see. So back to the point I was trying to say, like, when you first get out, 70, 60 to 75% of everything is gonna go left. Because even, even if you think about it, like in Dental School, you got four hours to do everything. Real world, max you got is like to to be effective max is like an hour two yeah like yeah and you know um going oh sorry go ahead no i just was agreeing with him i'm like and even your patients when they come in at school they know like hey you're supposed to be here from 8 to 11 30 like that's that's what they sign for so in the practice, they're like, oh, I, I come here on my lunch break. So it's either you get it done or I could go somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah. And that clinical confidence is so real. I, I actually remember in second year, and I don't know if JP remembers this, but he was tutoring a group of us for Crown and Bridge. And I was so nervous about like going into the clinic, you know, going into our third year. And I asked him, I was like, what do you think is the hardest part about transitioning into clinic? And he said, it's building your confidence. 
And at first I was like, well, what do you mean? You know, being confident, like, yeah, we're confident in ourselves and confident to be here, like not in an arrogant sense, but just in general, you know, having confidence in yourself. But that clinical confidence is something else. Like I'm over here, you know, first having my first patient shaking, doing x-rays, like, you know, building that clinical confidence is definitely um, uh, real. It's definitely real. So I can only imagine in the real world how that is. Um, Priority. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You can continue, no, because like just what y'all were saying for the whole confidence thing, just like what Taylor was saying, I think when I did my first first feeling, right, it was the class five, right? As soon as that bird touched the tooth, I'm looking at, oh, oh okay. It's like, oh, this is real. Like, I'm cutting <laughs> oh, on a real, real person right now. <laughs> Patient looking at me, spit coming everywhere, tongue flying and everything. I was like, oh, okay. All Nothing right. like a mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really scary thing because you don't want anything to be. I feel like every time it's your first time doing something, it's always the most scary thing possible. So it's like, you know, as a student, you want to get into oral surgery when you can so you can get that uh, extraction that might be uh, in bone or, you know, you just don't want it to be your first time doing anything. That's just the worst. No, honestly, I feel like looking back, we have the time in dental school to really kind of just, if the patient is numb, I think if y'all perfect how to give injections, it don't matter what you're doing because <laughs> the patient won't feel it. So, you know, you're not as nervous to hurt them and you can actually learn a lot. And I think in dental school, take advantage of that. You know, if you're in oral surgery, try to get the patient numb. See if you could really hit those nerves and put the tooth to sleep. I think that is really helpful because if you're like, screwing up, I guess. They don't feel it, at least. So at least, you know, it's just on you and what you know about anatomy and, you know, everything. So. Uh, okay, so I know for all the doctors here, right, all the confidence that we see that y'all have been brewing, right, what made y'all <laughs> what made y'all pursue y'all actual careers? Do you believe that um, the practices that you choose is like, do you think it was best to go solo, having an um, associateship, um, a DSO? Like, what made y'all choose y'all career path? So, for me, I was very unsure, right? I thought I wanted to do a residency program, but I was pretty involved in dental school and I wanted to make sure I was well-rounded and, you know, knew what my options were outside of school. That was one of the things I told myself because going into dental school, you know, this was my one opportunity Harry gave me. And I wanted to make sure when I left, I could do whatever I wanted to do. So I looked at residencies whenever the people from private practices had lunch and learns. I tried to go to them or DSOs. And for me, it was really just educating myself in that way and figuring out which one worked best for me. Um, Personally, I felt like a DSO offered a lot of technology, um, you know, they're, some of the bigger ones are more established and have um, really good business structures. And you can learn a lot from that because in school they teach you how to be a clinician, but they don't 
necessarily teach you how to be a business person. So for me, that that's ultimately why I decided to work for DSO for the opportunity and then just the resources that they have, whether it's through um, this large network of doctors that are in the company or the CEO courses that they offer, that that's ultimately what led me to pursue the path that I went on. Right. And just co-signing Dr. Turner, like, I feel like I am technically in a DSO, but I just, it's like an independent franchise within a franchise. And I feel like that's so true. Just the support and the mentorship and the coach, the coaching, I guess you could get out of a DSO is really valuable for me because I feel like I'm still learning, but at least I'm getting, I mean, paid as a doctor, but I'm still learning, you know, I'm still very humble. I still refer out. I do bread and butter what we did in dental school and I'm getting paid from it. And that's just beautiful for me. So <laughs> I just had to co-sign that. So that was kind of what brought me to just go into. Yeah. Like I would say, I would tell anybody like, man, if I had a rich uncle or my dad or my mom had a dental practice waiting on me when I got out and it was thriving and it was a pillar in the community, even if I would have went to residency, I'd have went work. I'd have been went work with the family or work for myself. You know what I'm saying? Or take that back. Even if they didn't have a practice waiting on me, if I would have had the funds or had access to the funds to get my own practice started, and it wouldn't have been a burden. Because you know we can walk into a bank and be like, you know, I'm doctor, give me money. And, you know, it's not that easy, but you can do that. But that's going to be a very big burden on you, you know. So because I didn't have that and because I didn't want that burden, um, I felt like the DSO was really the smart thing for me to do. One, because it gave me access to capital. Um, the, The DSO that I work for in particular, it allows me to give me the option to, if I want to own a practice, I can. And I mean, and if I don't, I'm making enough money to where I can save up. And in a certain amount of years, I can do, I can open up my own practice or my own, you know, franchise of, of, um, clinics. And I'm not, Ta- it's not taxing, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's already going to be hard. No matter what you do, it's already going to be hard. But doing, like, it being hard and you being broke, like, that, that's a double negative. Like, exactly, exactly. I just have to unmute myself to say that. <laughs> well, as for me, I chose a different route from the other three amazing doctors. So, I'm actually in academia and I also practice two days a week. So the reason I chose academia was because I feel like the Lord was calling me to it as well as the students kept telling me like, you need to stay, you need to help us and all this other stuff. So I was like, okay, let's see how this works out for a couple of years. And then also I'm, I'm an international student as well. So it was a different journey for me going through dental school. Um, and with being in the academic atmosphere, it's an easier transition, I would say, for me versus going to private practice. A lot of 
other um, entities wouldn't really like to apply for you to go through the whole immigration status. So it was a good, um, it worked out well for me. I do love teaching students. Like I say in my introduction, I was a teacher for two years. So teaching is still something I enjoy doing. And then I also love the art and science of dentistry. No, amen, Dr. Kelly, because you're one of my favorite instructors. <laughs> Without a doubt. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say that's super important for people to know that you don't have to, there's not just one or two things you can do after dental school. Like there is so many different things. And sometimes I think in dental school, we can compare each other to our classmates a lot and feel pressured to do certain things. But, you know, if there's something that you're, feel like you're being called to do there's always somebody that you can connect with that can like put you in the direction that you need to go to get to where you need to be and she's really called to teach um like really called to teach um I learned from her and she's my classmate um there would be time like I never I never like I don't think I ever told her this but um Crazy, um, I was the student in class who uh, would go to sleep. And Dr. Yes, Kelly- Yes, sat right opposite of me. Yes, Dr. <laughs> Kelly sat right in front of me. And so when I would wake up from my naps, I would wake up to Dr. Kelly. And uh, usually my first question would be, uh, do you have any snacks? <laughs> and I would say 80% of the time she had snacks. And- um, once we became clinical students, and I feel like even before we became clinical students, we were both tutors, and we were both tutoring a lot in, um, for Crown and Bridge, and just seeing, like, the way that she communicated with students, like, you know, I would say, like, that's one thing that I struggled with, like, because I would just, I was low-key worse than the professors, because when I first started, I would be like, just cut it. <laughs> it ain't that difficult just cut it and but then when I would watch her communicate with her students and just how she would get her points across I'd be like you know what I'm gonna try that I'm gonna try that and I would definitely say like my my tutoring went through the roof when that happened and I would also say like even my communication with my patients like just what I was trying to get across really went through the roof because you can be really good at dentistry, but if you don't know how to talk to people, you're going to be really bad. Amen. Amen. That's yeah. a word. That's <laughs> so as uh, people who came straight out of school, you know, you may not have had as much time as some of your classmates to secure an associateship. Uh, what were your timelines like for securing associateship at different DSOs or practices that you work at? Honestly, I started pursuing things, maybe my beginning of D4, end of D3 year. So like around now, like the same thing, really, whether you're applying to residency or whether you're trying to get a job, you should start around the same time. Credentialing takes long. You know, if you want to move, that takes long. You got to, where are you going to live? Can you afford this living? You know, stuff like that. So I think as soon as possible, you should be planning the next, the next step. I definitely agree that if you're able to plan as early in advance as you can, like do that. 
for me, um, I actually had a plan and then the plan changed like literally maybe like March or something. It was really late in the game, but I had really, like I said, I really strove to be strove, strived to be a well-rounded student and I had connect, like whatever route I chose to do, whatever state I chose to practice in, like I was so connected that I, I didn't fear I wasn't going to have anywhere to go, but you know, that's not something that you can do in a day. So that's why it's important to go to those events, talk to somebody, even if it's just one person who tells you that they're they manage this in the country with this job or whatever, like that's a face that they'll recognize. Hopefully they'll recognize that you'll say something meaningful in your conversation so that you stand out to them, but you should, you should have that impact on everybody. So that you-, you reminded me also y'all, like you're graduating as a dentist or whether it's general or specialist like we are the prize out here so you really also when you're going into interviews or whatever it is like you gotta understand they want you too because you're the money maker so if you go into the rooms like you want me low-key more than vice versa you'll just kind of act accordingly i think it's, it's an exciting time you really understand your worth out here it's not that many dentists especially black well Especially, you know, where, you know, but like you can really, you know, go into the community and just do your thing. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would say like, just be as connected as you can be and just like always remember, like hold yourself to like a higher standard. Um talk to everybody that you can. And it is going to be uncomfortable at times because you're going to be talking to people that you don't know and that people that you know that they have a job and their only job is to hire you or or try to get you hired. Like, still talk to them. And even, you know, if your route is to be in academia, and even if you don't want to teach at your school that you are currently at right now, you want to go back home, wherever that may be. Be in talks with your professors and your deans because those people know people. Like the dental world is small, but then the academic dental world is even smaller. And all of those people go to the same conferences. They do the same things. Those people know the same people. They have to meet the same people for accreditation, all of those things. So everybody pretty much knows everybody. But yeah, just constantly be in contact with people and like you are the prize, like you really are now. And we don't say that for you to walk in and be arrogant and, you know, I want a $50,000 sign-up bonus. It's probably not going to happen like that, Chief. But, um, you know, you are the prize. Like you really are. Like you walk in, you 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 represent yourself right. You, you stick to what you know. And like God will kind of lead you the rest of the way or the, Wherever, whoever you subscribe to, God, the universe, whoever, they'll kind of lead you wherever you need to be. You just got to, but you got to do the groundwork. So then with regards to teamwork, 
Um, how do you make sure that your office, like, you know, as far as like your front desk team, your dental assistants, business managers, et cetera, um, how do you make sure that they everything is ran like a well-oiled machine? Or even with regards to academia, what's that student-faculty relationship like if just a couple years ago, even a couple months ago, you were just on the other side? That's real. Honestly, it's it's consistency and just having systems in place. It's not always going to run like a well-oiled machine, but if you at least have like a consistent workflow, I think you can make it through a lot. And sometimes it'll take growing pain to find that, you know, we shouldn't mm-hmm. always put so much pressure to get to the finish line. It's mm-hmm. a lot in between that has to happen for you to really understand it. So. Yeah, and I would say, oh, sorry. you got it. You got it. I would say I'm have a good communication with whomever, whether it's your friend, desk worker, your um, your assistants, because once you have good communication with them or at least try to build a work friendship with them, let's say that you will know their off days. You will know that, hey, they probably messing up because this so and so happened at home the night before, which you want to be empathetic with them. But you also want to give them a good talk and to say, well, OK, I understand you're going through this but we just have to get through this procedure and then try to talk to them afterwards. And then also with students be open and honest with them. When they ask you questions, don't try to embarrass them in front of, in front of the patients. Like I always would go in the room and try to help them. But afterwards I let them know what they did wrong and how they can improve. And to me, the next time I see them, they remember the information and they're able to execute the job better than me always trying to hop on them saying you did this wrong, you did that wrong and your day just went sour. So I would say have a good open communication with anybody who you deal with. Yeah, I think understanding what whatever area you're in, what the goal is. So, you know, who the you know most important person is. So, you know, for academia, that's the students for uh, the workforce, that's probably the patient. So um, having a team that understands that common goal in mind, I think it's really important and being able to, um, you know, if they're not aware of the goal, how do we how do we become one? What operations can we put in place so that, you know, we're always thinking of the patient or we're always trying to have the best outcome for the students or whatever it may be. I also think like really analyzing and identifying what your leadership style is, is imperative. So like, you know, in the day and age we live in, whenever you're dating somebody, you're like, what's your love language? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's imperative to know like what your leadership language is like, because that will really help you along the way. So like, I know like, so me and Dr. Turner work together uh, for those on the podcast who don't know. Um, I'm a very direct person. I'm a very, 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 very like, just give it to you raw person. And that works for some people. It doesn't work for like 70% of the population. It just doesn't. And um, I know like there were times like when Dr. Turner first came, when Dr. Turner first came, I had just had my best month 
as a dentist. Like, um, it was a hundred thousand dollar month. Um, everything was great. I had just got like my first, like really, really big, big paycheck. Like I was, I was like, yeah. And then like the month after that, we had, um, we had switched computer systems in the office and we went to a different software and things. And, you know, the people kind of forgot how to do things. And like the next month, was our worst month. And I remember just being like, like people would ask me questions and I would just be like, like, how don't you know this? Like, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, even when it would come down to things like lunch breaks, I would be like, like my my response would literally be like, man, take your lunch when you need to take it. Like, I'm going to keep working. But I remember, like, one time, like, that turned, like, pulled me to the side. And she was like, look, we should say it like this and this because ultimately, even though I wasn't telling my team, don't take a lunch, I wasn't giving them any direction either. Like, I was just saying, man, look, put that sandwich in your mouth whenever you got time to. Me, I'm going to keep trucking. I don't, I don't need no sandwich, no nothing. I'll eat this at the end of the day. But ultimately, like when it comes to our teams in our office, office manager, the assistants, the front desk people, like they are literally looking for us to lead them. And so you can't just be like so caught up in like, I've got it figured out. Yeah, you know the dentistry, but before them people get in the chair to get the dentistry done, they got to be led by the person that's collecting the money. They got to be led by the person that's getting the insurance information. They got to be led by the person that's taking the x-rays. So it's a lot that goes into it before the person actually gets in the chair. And so analyzing your leadership style and figuring out like, what's the best way? You know, I'm sure there's an office out in America where I could be very, 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 very direct. And everybody in the office would be like, bet we understand what Doc talking about. However, that was not the office I was in. Also, too, I was the only, I'm the only male in this office. So my direct was totally different than their direct. Like, you know, I have a, a semi-military background. I went to a military school for high school. So I'm used to tell, like, I'm used to just being like, man, but like, that sucks. And like that doesn't, it doesn't offend me. It really doesn't. Like, if somebody tells me, like, whatever you're doing, you're sucking at it, I'm just like, all right, bet. We got to go put up some shots. Like, we got to get, we got to figure it out. Everybody, you can't do that with. And so, definitely, it's imperative to learn your leadership style, how to communicate to your team the best. My question for the docs is what uh, procedure did you leave dental school feel so confident about? And uh, I know I asked uh, Dr. Jordan this question earlier in the week. Uh, what were the ideal time the students should be aiming for? Like, when I'm going to the clinic, uh, how fast should I be cutting the crown? How fast should I be able to do that extraction of that class too? All right. So for me, the first thing I think, if this isn't too 
outrageous. Let's say you had the patient checked in, everything is ready to go. I think you should try to aim for like an hour and a half, at least before you need any type of check from someone. Um, you had, what was the first question? The first question was, uh, what procedures did you leave dental school feeling most confident about? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. I think it's still the injections. If y'all can just master injections in this time, I think a lot can go very smooth. I was I was good with restorative too, like fillings, but for the most part, injections, extractions, honestly, you're going to do a lot of extractions depending on what route you go. So you'll have time to get better with that. But if the patient isn't numb, you can't do anything when you really think about it. So if y'all take this time now, master injections, I think that takes priority over a lot, in my opinion, anyway. I was the most comfortable with extractions. I feel like they're pretty straightforward. Um, you don't get caught up in, oh, is my axial wall reduced enough or whatever. It's just wiggle the tooth gently until it, it comes out. That's kind of how I think of it. Gently and slowly until it comes out. I was most confident in restorative, but that was because like I did it every single day for the last two years I was in school. So no matter if I was doing it on a patient or if I was doing it tutoring, like I could cut a crown like with my eyes closed. Like it was, it just was what it was. But um, early in the week, when you asked me that question, uh, you didn't mention extractions. Uh, <laughs> I would say like, uh, kind of like ideal times as far as what, um, when the patient, when you're working on the patient, when you first get out, everybody is going to be cognizant of the fact that you're a new doctor. So a class three, like after like 20 minutes, you should, that's when people are going to start kind of being like, okay, what's going on in there? Um, a class two, 30 minutes. Um, after about 30 minutes, they're going to kind of be like, okay, what's going on in there? Um, and that's like when you first get out. I'm not saying like you've been out six months. If, if it's still taking you 30 minutes, cut a class two in six months, wherever you're working, they're going to probably be like, okay, doc, you got to have a talk. Like, you got to figure this out. Either we need to give you some more training or we need to we need to do something. Um, but when you first get out, class three, about 20 minutes, class two, about 30 minutes, and then crowns right at about 40 minutes. Um, and that depends on what kind of um, system you're using. Like if y'all are just cutting crowns and sending them to the lab, they're probably going to be more on like the 25, 35 minute time range. If y'all are using like scanners and CIRAC and things like that, I say 40 minutes because you just have to get used to using that and get used to like figuring out that system and how much you have to reduce for you to get a quality product if you're using that brand. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely like the most important thing I would say is... Um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have some like some time management. Like you gotta like kind of figure out how long each thing is taking you. 
but it shouldn't be like two hours or two hours and 30 minutes. And I agree with, with Jenna is saying, Dr. Ose is saying about the, um, the injections. Like if somebody's numb, you literally can do whatever you want to do. Not saying that you should do that, but you can. Um, yeah. So like definitely get them, like getting them numb should be like number one thing. But the reason I commented on the extractions like I did when I first started talking was because um, a lot of the extractions that we do in dental school are relatively straightforward. And you see like when you get out in the world, like bro, people teeth, like people come to you with like something that should have been extracted like six months ago. And so, no, I take that back. Probably six years ago. And like, you like, so today is the day that you're in pain. And now you want me <laughs> to do this. Okay, bet. Um, so to that, I say, man, like, knowing the art of referring, like, know when to refer. Hello, that somebody. That will save you so much time as a new mm-hmm. doc. Because, like, <laughs> as a new doc, your mindset is like... Before you go too far, I just want to say, it depends on where you are. Loki, I could take up to an hour for certain crowns in class twos. Because it depends. If you're in a super busy office, okay, 30, 40 minutes, you got to be wrapping up. But if the patient, I mean, the office isn't seeing that many patients, you could take at least an hour to cut that prep real nice. That's all I'm saying. Depends where you are. Agreed. I'm going to get back to that. But I was going to say, like, the art of referring. Like, as a new doc, your mindset is really like, okay, extraction, let's go. I'm ready to take it out. Okay, uh, 13-unit bridge, bet, I'm going to be the one to do it. And so you don't realize that, like, the reason why you was in dental school, the reason why they only let you do three unit and max four unit bridges was because a 13 unit bridge, like, that's, there's a lot of science that goes into that. A lot of physics. Like, you, like you literally are on, like, you are tapping into so much when, <laughs> once you do that. So just knowing when to refer is so big, man, because, like, I, I, and I've heard the stories countless, countless times of like new docs being like, yeah, this case came in. I thought it was going to be so easy and I was so excited to do it. Went left. I'm thinking about going to school and getting into ortho because this case has scarred me for the rest of my life. I never want to do this again. <laughs> like it happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like, and to that, what I'm saying is too. There are also like cases that are really simple, like one tooth cases. Like you, you, you had the diagnosis right, like you knew it to a T, root canal and crown. But you're not an endodontist, and you try out that root canal, and now you're like, oh, like this is why they go to school to do that. Somebody who wants to be like a, a super GP, you know, my motto is, you know. I don't want to have to refer everything out, you know, because I feel like a lot of people, I hear them uh, refer endo out. And I think that there are people who are specialists who are endodontists and they're literally going to work doing 
you know, through Canal uh, pre-molar, well, you know. Sorry, for me, I'm referring endo out if it's past the first molars and or the patient has limited opening. Other than that, I would I would do it, but um, it's important to know what to refer out because a lot of times it's not even the procedure, it's the patient. So it's like you you feel confident enough to to stretch your boundaries, but it's like this patient isn't even manageable for real. So if anything go wrong, you know they gonna give you hell, and it's just it don't be worth it all the time. So I'm quick to hit that refer button. Also, <laughs> too, what Jenna said, um, like you can be you can be good at everything, but you do have to know when to refer in. Like she said, she doesn't do past the first molar. Like I only do anterior endo and like, that's fine. That's what works for me. But, you know, if somebody comes in in an emergency situation, I think it is good to be, you know, kind of be a master at all things so that you can maybe some way get them out of pain or help their situation until they can get to the, the specialist that you need to refer them to as well. Exactly. You don't want to marry the wrong patient. God, you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yes. think it was Dr. Gray that said, like, or Dr. Tyus, one of them, one of the two that said, know thine own self. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know what you want to take on and you know what you don't want to take on. I don't even touch molars because I had one bad experience. I'm like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you could challenge it. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you have to know how to get yourself out of that pit. Because if you start something on a patient, most specialists, they might not even want to take it on because they're like, oh, you started it. I don't want to clean up your mess. And now you stuck with this patient and you have to figure out a way how to get yourself out of this problem. So prior to me getting in any problems, I was like, you know what, let me let me humble myself and be like, OK, this ain't for me. This is why the anadonis went to school. This is why the oral surgeon went to school. I ain't trying to be around there cutting out no bone. And doing, uh-uh, that's too much. <laughs> I could and, be doing a crown in that time. Right. And so to the, and so like to the, to the person who wants to be the super GP, man, go ahead and be that. Like place those implants, do those root canals, do those, you know, those complicated cases, but also know when to refer, know when it's not worth it. Know when, and like, when I say not worth it, I don't mean just from a financial standpoint, knowing it's not worth it from a patient standpoint, like it is not worth you putting them through that because that is just not your expertise. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like go home. You think about that. Yeah. Like what are you saying? No, I say mentally for you, you have to think about that. Like, dang, I could have did this differently or I could have done this for a better outcome. Like it will always be on your mind that, Hey, I messed up. Because like, I'm telling you, man, like those, those cases, like, it, it, and it's so crazy because, like, we started off this call and I was saying, like, the biggest thing is, like, knowing your confidence. And you go in with so much confidence, but, like, the real world humbles you so quick because above all things, you can have all of the confidence in the world in school because guess what? You got somebody behind you. They might give you a little scolding, but they got your back. Like, they're not going to let you look like a complete fool, but, like, in the world, like, you go and you do that molar and that thing got five canals in it, and you can't find the fourth or the fifth one, you, you the fool. Like, you literally just had, you had this person sit there 
for three hours, you struggling to find canals, and now you have to tell them, uh, I'm so sorry, Ms. Jones. Uh, I'm going to have to refer you to my endodontist. You look like a complete idiot in Ms. Jones' eyes. Ms. Jones looking at you like, hold up. Right. Like, Agreed. And now you have to pay the endodontist bill because they are, you have to refund her back her money because it's kind of like, and that's your time, your materials. I'm like, it just ain't worth it. And now, and, and like to that, what, I'm, what I also say is like, you'll have those cases where like things are like completely like unexpected. Like, so like, you know, like you'll do like a full mouth extraction and then like two teeth. It's just like, they not moving at all. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like two teeth, like they just not moving at all. Like, and then so like you can, you can refer that out, like, and like you can, you could kind of, you kind of dress that up and make it pretty, like Miss Jones. Look, right. we took out eleven. These third, these two, these two canines, they would not move. I'm gonna send you to um, our oral surgeon and get it out. Matter of fact, I've already made the phone call. He's waiting on you. Like, you know what I'm saying? That reminds you also got to learn how to humble yourself and kind of downsell some things. Let's say, you know, you could take the tooth out. I I'm normally not that like, Oh, I could take this out. I'll tell the patient, you know, we'll see what we can do. This tooth sometimes comes out in several pieces, but you know, we'll see what we can do. And then when you take it out in one piece, which you knew already, you know, just, it helps a lot. So, you know, don't be over too, too confident. But have enough at least to be able to challenge stuff that you feel is in your boundaries. Yeah, you don't have to be scared, but just be smart and conscientious. So I know that y'all been waiting for this question for a good minute now. So let's really talk about the elephant in the room. How are all of y'all gonna be paying off these student loans? Please tell tell uh, tell the people. Tell y'all graduated. Tell tell your kids. Tell your kids. What's your financial plan? Yeah. It's important to know what's good debt and bad debt. That's a whole nother situation. Honestly, student loans, I'm not worried about that at all. Um, you know, I feel like it's like another bill for me. It's like my light bill that's very, very expensive. <laughs> But I'm not I'm not really beasting. There's other bills you can pay that can in turn pay your student loans in the end. You just worry about working hard, getting a good financial advisor that you trust. It'll be fine. We're in a lucrative field here. So that's my part on that. I, yeah, I was gonna I wouldn't say I'm not worried about it at all. Um, but um there are ways that you can you know, make it more feasible, definitely talk with, even if you are like one of those people that are like, I don't need a financial advisor, talk to somebody who is an expert in the field. And the reason I say that is because now you're an expert. And so the worst thing that could ever happen to a dentist is somebody walks in your practice and they say, yeah, I was having some tooth pain last night. I looked up on Google. It said it might be this, 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 and this. And now they didn't sit in their chair and they didn't diagnose themselves. And you like, no, it's actually a root canal. And now they're looking at you like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. So if you are not well versed on finances, 
I think what you should do is, yes, go to Google so that you can have an idea, but go talk to someone who is an expert and who does know about finances and knows about paying back student loans and doing it in a smart but efficient way. Um, so honestly, if we were talking about like student loans, that would be a whole nother podcast that that could be a three hour conversation in itself because everybody's going to do it different because everybody's situation is different. You know what I'm saying? Like some people, they're going to be able to go to their daddy or their mama and be like, Hey mom, like this is a student loan bill and they just going to pay it. You know, some people don't have student loans because they was able to go to mama and daddy and be like, Hey, this is a tuition bill. Um, some people are going to marry, you know, NBA players, WNBA players, um, football players, and that debt will be paid off. Some people are going to inherit money on top of money on top of money. So each person's scenario is different. Um, talk to somebody, like know what your current condition is, your current economic condition is, and talk to somebody. So then how early did you start looking for a financial advisor? If you did go that path. I, um, for me, right after I graduated, I got in contact with a financial planner, which it worked out. I didn't really have a need for it beforehand. Like I was just taking out loans or whatever, but afterwards, like after graduating and whatnot, I was like, oh, I'm about to start making money. Like I need somebody to tell me what I need to do, what life insurance I need, what disability and all that stuff. And they can help you. And I, and he doesn't have his hands in my pocket. Um, and there are different advisors available. So, you know, there's some specifically for dental and medical professionals. So, um, if you've tried it before and you feel like you didn't like someone, I would say try to find another one because um, it's really beneficial for you at the end of the day to understand that you can be a dentist and still be um, broke. <laughs> and you don't want to be that dentist. You want to set yourself up to be in a good uh, situation financially. Yeah. I'm just co-signing Dr. Turner. It's very important to learn financial literacy at least, you know, by the time you graduate, when you start working, I've also seeked out some financial advisors after graduating. So, so speaking for the class of 2022, you know, Bradley, Taylor, myself, we have about seven months left before we're out of school. Uh, what would be some things you wish you had uh, focused more on leading up to graduation and practicing, you know, real world dentistry? And what were your biggest hurdles uh, leaving dental school? Mm. Honestly, if I was where y'all at, I think I would live more in the moment of things instead of thinking about graduating and making money and stuff like that. Because, you know, who you're with right now, Y'all go through so much together. You really want to cherish those moments with your class and really build with each other and help each other be successful. Um, some hurdles, just getting out of Harry, man. 
they gonna pull the last extra or oh my gosh, they're gonna put a last extra aerial maintenance or some foolishness, not foolishness, yeah, but something like that. Yeah, you can't graduate because you didn't do a one do a perio maintenance or oral hygiene instruction. I'm like, where did this come from? Yeah, so just if anything, just getting out of Meharry, but cherish this time because now I kind of miss that I didn't cherish the ending. I was just trying to get out. <laughs> Cherish the time, like Jenna said, cherish being a student because it might be your last time. Now you you got to work every day of your life for the rest of your life, which is a blessing. But still, um, I think as a student, you get bogged down with classes. And like, I got out of here. Like, I'm tired of doing this stuff. But it's kind of like one of those things once you're done, like, that's it. And especially your Meharry family. Like, it's nobody like those people that are going to understand the journey you went through. And you used to seeing them every day. And then when you don't see them, it's like, dang, like, I, like it really used to make my day just seeing somebody worried about, uh, is their denture going to fit on their patient? So it's, that's why I really enjoy working with JP because, you know, it kind of reminds me of Meharry as well. Shout out to Dr. Pierre. Yeah, I would say, like, not only for, like, I'm just going to speak to, like, minority students for a second. Like, truly enjoy the um, the journey and definitely, like, like cherish, like, the last, the last little leg of the race. Um, reason being, you know, I never had the, um, the chance or the, well, I had the chance. I never took the opportunity to go to a um, predominantly white institution. And um, so I don't know what it's like to have a black student alliance. You know, I don't know what it's like to have a organization like the Student National Dental Association. And that's where all of the black people or all of the minorities congregate because you know, Harry, Asda was black, SNDA was black, Hispanic Student Dental Association was black. <laughs> so it just kind of was what it was. But um, to the minority students that are, that are at those um, predominantly white institutions, you know, that's going to be the last time that you're probably going to be around people like that. 24 seven and have that easy access to them. You know, once we graduate, it really becomes like, you gonna be at such and such, are you gonna be on this trip? All right, I'm gonna see you here, I'm gonna see you there, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna go such and such, check them in residency, like that's really what it becomes. So enjoy, enjoy right now. And um, speaking as someone who um, graduated from the pandemic class, like, Really enjoy it because you never know when it, when will be your last time seeing someone. Like you really don't know it. Like I I literally have classmates. The last time I saw them was March thirteenth, two thousand and twenty. Ain't heard from them. Ain't seen them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Don't know what they're doing. Don't know how they're doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like. You know, you get like a little random little such and such did this and you're like, 
Oh, for real? All right, God bless. God bless. And you just keep on moving. Like, because that's all you can say. So definitely enjoy the moment, make the moment and take it for granted. Um, you're not gonna get another D4 year, you're not gonna get another, you're not gonna get another anyone. Well, you might get another D1 year, depending on how things go that first year. Um but you don't, it don't happen that often is what I'm trying to say. So enjoy, enjoy. And if you go to a predominantly black institution, I would say definitely enjoy it. Like, cause outside in the real world, dentistry does not look like that. I'm telling you, like, just speaking as someone who went to Meharry, man, when you step out into the real world and you start going to these conferences, even when we were in school and you and you go to conferences and you see like you'd be like, oh, OK. But like when you step out like the world world and like you see and you'd be like, man, my assistants are other like different than me. My my doctors different than me, my office manager. And, you know, at one point I was the only black person in the office. I was just like, oh, this is completely different. You know, but that 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 can very well be a reality. I agree with everybody about cherishing the moment, definitely, because um, in dental school, your classmates are basically your family and we see them every day. We know their kids, their husbands. We know basically a lot about them because it's just 60 of us in this classroom every day and in clinics as well. So it's always us helping somebody. So I agree with cherishing every moment and also speaking with um, professors who have been out there, who have been practicing and stuff like that. Like I always cherish Dr. Tyus. He drops so much gems on us and he always tells us like it is and always explains to us. It's like my goal to be as humble and as he's just so clear and explaining everything. So I'm like cherishing all of the professors that we have and getting their phone numbers because sometimes you run into something in the office and you're like, hmm, I need to ask them what to do. So just keeping an open communication with others as well. Not just saying, oh, Mahari did me wrong. So I'm just going to omit everybody who did good for me at Mahari, you know? So. Absolutely. Well, that concludes all of our questions. So let's go ahead and give it up for our guest. <laughs> all right any closing remarks from you all from our docs get money <laughs> get, get, money, dog. get money just get that piece of paper and get some money run it up uh i would say that Really um, know your craft, like whatever it is that you're going to do, know your craft, know what you're doing, how to do it, um, know when to refer and um, humble. No matter how much money you're making, no matter what you're doing, where you're going, what celebrity you didn't work on, like really stay humble. Um, and, you know, I want to like say like big ups to y'all, like y'all are doing something, you know, with this podcast and uh, 
people have the idea to do podcasts but never do it. So um, kudos to y'all for doing it. Like y'all, that's very brave of y'all. And I, I accept, receive, and acknowledge everything that y'all are doing. But to um, everybody out there, I think the number one thing I would say is stay humble. Stay humble. But no one to refer. Coachable, be coachable. And I think that comes on what um, Dr. JP said about just you guys having this platform is really beautiful. So, you know, just know the network is is nationwide. It take a village. So, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. Stay humble, stay prayed up for sure. And then also definitely know when to refer. Don't get yourself in any pit holes. And thank you for having us on the platform. It was really an enjoyable conversation. For me, I'd say to stay humble as well. And, you know, if you're um, still in dental school, like we mentioned before, just to really enjoy that time, maximize um, your time there, like, learn and soak up as much information as you can because that's what you're paying all that money to go to school for and just be comfortable with whatever decision you figure out you're going to make like pursue that to the best of your ability and I think you'll be okay and if you guys have Instagram any social media that you guys want to shout out go ahead and give that to the listeners as well so they can find you um, you guys can follow me on Instagram. That's Raina underscore Elise with a Y. You can follow me on Instagram. It's it's Dr. P. So at time I-T-S-D-R-P underscore. And my Instagram is dr doctor dot a Jenna. One Y and two N's. And my Instagram is just my name, Alexis Kelly. I don't really post nothing, so you can uh, DM me. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you for being panelists on our show and our guest host. Do you have any closing remarks for us? Thank you guys for having me. Uh, It's been a great podcast and I soaked up a lot of wisdom from you guys. I really want to say that I'm grateful to be able to hear uh, the opinions, the thoughts and realities from people who got really the exact same education. Um, well, we not the exact same. There were minor tweaks, you know, this class, you know, COVID happened and they didn't get to do this or these requirements changed. But for the most part, we all had the same teachers. So uh, it's good to get a lit- litmus test from a reliable source. No, I think y'all student doctors, nah, I can't even say student no more. D doctors, practice it out here. Wisdom, drop it. All these gems. Nah, thank you for our humble alumni. We appreciate you for coming out, supporting us, right? And also literally teaching and also giving so much, so much beautiful advice. Just like always, stay flossing and keep flossing. All right, and let's wrap things up and transition into Taylor's takeaways. And today I want to discuss sleep hygiene. So I gathered the following information from the Sleep Foundation website. 
And they define sleep hygiene as a routine of habits and practices that are conducive to sleeping well on a regular basis. So signs of poor sleep hygiene include having a hard time falling asleep, experiencing frequent um, sleep disturbances, and even suffering from daytime sleepiness. So I know we've all been there. But on the flip side, in order to have good uh, sleep hygiene, um, here are some tips that you can follow. So make sure that you set your sleep schedule. Have a fixed wake-up time, regardless of it's the weekend or the weekday. Prior- prioritize your sleep. Even if you want to possibly skip sleep to work, to study, to socialize, exercise, et cetera, it's vital to make sure that you treat sleep as a priority. And lastly, don't overdo it with the naps during the day. So naps can help regain some energy, but they can also throw off your sleep pattern at nighttime. So in order to help construct that nightly routine, just remember to budget about 30 minutes for winding down. So like playing some soft music and doing some stretching, some reading or relaxation exercises. And next, dim your lights. You know, try to um, stray away from having those bright lights in your room. And lastly, unplug from electronics. So build about a 30 to 60 minute window um, that's device free. Because the blue light that's in the background of our tablets, our cell phones, and computers, they actually cause mental stimulation and also may decrease melatonin production. So you want to make sure that you use those following tips to help with having better sleep at night. But remember that everybody is different. So it's worth testing out these different adjustments in order to find out what helps you the most. So you don't have to change everything at once. We don't want you to be overwhelmed and stressed about your sleep pattern. Instead, just take small steps to move towards having a better sleep hygiene. If you like what you hear, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pod for more updates on the show and be sure to give us a shout out. Want to ask us questions or give suggestions on topics that you'd like to hear? Then email us at theocclusaltablepodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear feedback from our listeners, so don't forget to leave a thumbs up, five stars, and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. Well, that's all we have for today. So until next time, this is The The Occlusal Table!